I know it's 9 o'clock service. We're going to, over the next uh, number of weeks as we start Advent, and that's why I wore a sparkly, not just a sparkly sweater. You know, it's actually not my sweater, but I tried to return it to the rightful owner and, and was told, you know, you go ahead and wear it because my daughters will make me wear it. And um, so if you recognize this sweater as one that you bought your father or encouraged your dad to wear, uh, I just want to say thank you for loaning it to me. And I won't mention who it is. Uh, no use getting him in trouble. And uh, he also serves on the board here at the church, so I didn't want to. Now, that's not fair because uh, other board members have daughters as well. Uh, but as we rediscover Christmas, uh, we're going to look at hope today and finding hope in our uncertainties. You know, sometimes we ask ourselves, you know what, uh, our world has changed. It's different. Uh, it is different for me as a pastor. You know, there are, are times uh, over the years past when Christmas would be, you know, we'd be building up to Christmas. And I think last year at our Christmas Eve service, we had about 450 people in here. And this year we can only hope for 450, but I'm not sure how that's going to happen. It is, uh, it is different, a different day. We have different regulations. As you know, we have a service now at 9 and 1 at 11. If you're one, wondering if what happened to time and you're watching the live stream, that's what happened. Uh, we're doing two live streams so that you can watch either one or you can try to be here in person. We are full already for next Sunday at 11. There's room for 9 o'clock next Sunday. But if you'd like to watch the live stream in Jody's room, you're welcome to do that. Where were you when big things happened? Like, I remember well, you know, the, some of the riveting events of our last 20 years or so. I remember when 9-11 happened, our kids were, were, of course, younger. We were living and pastoring up in Hay River. And I remember watching that moment, knowing that at that moment, everything changed. I remember when the Gulf War happened. I remember when COVID started and we figured out that, oh, it's actually here. Uh, I, we were sitting as a family. We, we had just heard that this coronavirus was coming to Canada, kind of like Santa's coming to Canada, but not bringing good presents, of course. But we were in the West Edmonton Mall, and uh, we were having a, a meal together. And it was like dead quiet. And we were sitting there and it's like, what's going on? And we were asking our server and she's, she's like, yeah, there's a coronavirus, so people are staying at home. I, I tell you, if there was ever a time on a, it was a Saturday to want to shop in the mall, that was the Saturday because there was not a lineup. There was, in fact, probably hardly anybody there. That was before the wonderful days of having to wear masks and, uh, and so forth. But it was... It was different. It was like a different world. And, you know, we tend to remember the traumatic events. There's no going back. You know, after September the 11th, we know that, of course, air travel changed around our world. Our culture shifts. Our lives are never really the same again. 
They strike with no warning and they introduce a sense of uncertainty to our lives. Sound familiar? Kind of where we are today, even as your pastors. When we got news that regulations were changing, and I'm like, okay, what does this mean? Because last week we were allowed 150 people in here. So when you get a message late in the week that things need to change and are changing, yeah, yeah, the stress level kind of jumps up a little bit. Right? But if I got more gray hair than last Sunday, it's for a reason. Thank you very much. But what a year it's been. It's been a year filled with uncertainty. At, at least, I mean, it's almost the biggest amount of uncertainty. You know, some of those events were, were single days or a number of months. Uh, but this uncertainty just kind of seems uncertain. You know, we don't even know what tomorrow holds. And it's almost like it's been the most uncertain period, at least in our lifetime. I mean, if you were 150 years old, you've been through this before. But in our lifetime, this is probably one of the most uncertain times. You know, it's as you scroll through the news feed on your social media, and you probably get to the place, you know what, or hope is done. And hopefully we have caught ourselves and learned to limit the scrolling uh, of the news feed before we go to bed. Because that anxiety will not help you. It can sink you into depression. I'm not trying to bring any of us down here this year, but it has been a tough year. If there ever was a year that we needed Christmas, this is the year. If there ever was a year that you needed something bling on, this is the year. If there ever was a time in our history where we needed Christ, it is now. It is now. If there was a time we needed the hope of Christmas, this is it. This is it. We need hope. Hope that goes beyond. As we enter Advent, it's a season of hope. It's a season of looking forward and saying, yeah, a Savior is coming. Advent is all about hope. In fact, the word Advent means coming or arrival. It's a season of traditionally of expecting or waiting with anticipation, just like Pastor Catherine. I mean, those poor kids. You want to know what's in here? Well, you have to wait. Oh, man. There's a present under our tree at home already, and it's not from me and it's not from my wife. It's from Pastor Catherine to us, and I'm like, I wonder what's in there. You know, I have yet to pick up the box and shake it. You know, there was times where you try to, back when wrapping paper was really thin, you could hold it to the light and maybe get a little bit of a light shining through it and read, you know, the words Black and Decker vacuum or something wonderful like that for a present. But it's a time of expectation, a time of waiting, a time of longing. Advent is not just an extension of Christmas. It's a season that links the past, the present, and the future. Advent looks back at the celebration of the hope filled in Jesus' coming. Well, at the same time, it looks forward, it looks hopeful with the anticipation of Christ coming again. Because he is coming again. This time, not like a babe in the manger, though. 
Advent is a time to prepare our hearts and to help us to place our focus on far greater story than our own. The story of God's redeeming love for our world. I'd like to suggest that even in the craziness and the uncertainty of this pandemic year, we've been given a gift. We've been given a gift. We've been given the opportunity to rediscover Christ and to rediscover Christmas. You're saying, yeah, but we can't have 50 people in our house. Okay. We can still rediscover Christ. We can still rediscover the Christ of Christmas. There is a couple of individuals in the Bible that we read of that just after the birth of Christ, where there was hope, and hope was kept alive. How do you keep hope alive? How do we keep hope alive? How do we say, you know what? I have hope that things will change. I have a, a trust and a belief that things are going to be different. And, and I hope that you're not just hoping for a, a vaccine. I, I pray that you're hoping for Christ to be made real, for Christ to show up into your situation and to meet you right where you are. I don't know how long the series or in the time of waiting is, but if you think that we have it bad today, you know, so did Israel back in the days of the Bible. It was a harsh day to live in. It was a time of conquest and brutality. It had been a thousand years since the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the calling out to God's people. It had been a long time. But they said, how long, God? How long till you show up? How long till you come again? It had been thousands of years of being invaded and conquered by enemies like the Assyrians and Babylonians and then the massive empires of the Greeks and the Romans. It had been generations and generations since the formation of God's covenant with humanity, promising a Messiah to make things right, to restore all that was messed up since God's time of perfect creation. And they waited with hopefulness. Things will change. Things will change. Things will get better for thousands and thousands of years. It's like, it's got to get better. And they continued to wait. They continued to trust the Lord. We don't do good at waiting, do we? We don't. Or at least I don't. I mean, if, if, if it's something that I enjoy, and you say, you know what, you have to wait for it. It's like, do I really have to wait? If it's going to the dentist and you say, no, you've got to wait, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with it. You know what? I, I'm not sitting with anticipation saying, get me in there. Like, what is the day? But if it's something that we enjoy, we don't like, wait. we don't like waiting. The fulfillment of God's covenant and the coming of the Messiah was to make everything right, and they sat there with anticipation. It wasn't just a happy idea that drifted in and out of their minds. It was their deepest hope that sustained them and encouraged them and spurred them on. They clung to, to the promises of God in, of, to Abraham in Genesis 12 and verse 3. 
and therein all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. They clung to that promise. And they're like, when? Hey, when is this going to happen? When is this going to take place? When can we expect things to change? But how long? How long, God? Like, how long? You can, you can think of the stories being passed on from generation to generation to generation. God's going to do this. God's going to bless all the people through you. Okay, when? How long? When will that happen? And they would hear the stories. It's going to happen. God's going to do it. They hung on to hope. How long can hope survive? How long could hope survive? Maybe you're even looking at your life and you're saying, how long can I, can I be in this position? How long, Lord? In Luke chapter 2 and verse 22 to 38, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If you don't, I will put the text on the screen. When the time had come for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary t- took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what, with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in in sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was being said about him. Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is indeed destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul too. There was also a prophet named Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped nights, and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child who all were looking for to the redemption of Israel, of Jerusalem. Simon and Anna were sparks of hope in Israel. They said, you know what? God is going to do something. God is up to something, and we're not giving up. We're not going to give in. This, this lady was waiting for generations for Christ to come. 
They were expecting God to come through with what he had promised. They believed this. Both Simon and Anna are likewise elders in this story. They've both lived long lives. They've experienced many things, both hardship for their people and their own lives. We know that Anna specifically had been a widow for decades. A position of low status in the society. In that culture at that time. Both Simon and Anna were reminded faithfully, or sorry, remained faithfully to God. They were ready for God to show up and to do great things. They were saying, you know what? God, we're trusting you that you're going to bring hope. That something will change. We believe in our lifetime that something will change. They didn't seem a bit surprised. They didn't seem like, we weren't waiting for this. We weren't expecting this. It's like that Christmas morning when you open a present. It's like, I wasn't expecting that. They were expecting. They were looking forward to. They were saying, this is going to happen. The Messiah is coming. Even though they didn't see it, they were sur- even though they were surrounded by hardship, even as time passed and they got older and older, they held on to hope. We've been waiting a number of months for something to change. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Don't give up. It's not like God has forgotten you. It's not like God doesn't see where you are. It's not like God doesn't know your situation and your need. Hold on to hope. They said, of course God came through. That's what he does. He did what he said he would do. The Messiah is here. Simon and Anna reveal several things about hope and its power that we can take away. And I want to give you some things today that we can do. The first thing is hope sees beyond. Hope sees beyond. Hope is the fuel of faith and dreams and possibilities. Hope is that whisper of maybe. Just maybe. Sees beyond. No matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kind of problems and struggles you're facing right now, no matter what kind of season of darkness and pain you're in, let me encourage you not to abandon hope. Hope is still alive even in our deepest desires, our deepest pain, our most hopeless circumstances. Hope chases away the darkness and the uncertainty. Hope is alive. Why? Because God is with us. Isn't that his name? Emmanuel. God with us. If God is with us, then we should not lose hope. If God is with us, then we should believe that things can change, that things are going to get better. In Romans chapter 8 and verses 24 to 26, it says this, For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the, whole, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You see, hope exists before reality comes to pass. Hope exists before reality comes to pass. Hope precedes our present reality. Hope, by its very nature, ex exists in the uncertainty before. It exists in the questions. Even in the doubts, even in things that are unclear, hope is there. Have you ever said the phrase, I don't have hope? I, I, don't, I don't have hope that things can change. Hope needs to be there even before that phrase. Even in the midst of that phrase. Hey God, I believe that you can change this. Hey God, I believe that you can make a difference. God, I believe that things are going to get better. Hey, God, I trust you that you can take care of us. Can God take care of us? Yeah. We need to have hope. Hope is a willingness and desire to believe beyond what our present circumstances and reality are presenting to us. Hope says, I look beyond that. I look beyond that. Hope is understanding this, that God is with us here, now, and always. That God is with us here, now, and always. God doesn't leave us. He didn't, he didn't take off for a season and said, you know what, uh, I'm going to take a holiday, so here you go, here you have a coronavirus, you know. I'm going to take a little bit of a break. You know, I've been caring for you for a long time. Here, just take this because I, I'm just going to, you know, take a vacation. No. God is still with us. God hasn't stopped being with us. His name, again, is Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't checked out. He hasn't forgotten about you and your circumstance. God knows exactly your situation. With God, there's no uncertainty. There's no uncertainty. God knows your challenges and your pain and your struggles. He was not taken surprised by a new coronavirus that went and went global. He's not surprised by that. He's not surprised when our economy shrunk and froze. And he sees you. And he's here. And this hope he delivers, he, this hope he embodied and fulfilled, and he brought into the world so long ago, this hope that he offers today, it's the hope that infuses us. It's the hope that drives us. It's the hope that is filled and fanned within us by the Spirit of God, even in our weakness. We say, God, I have trust in you. Maybe you're there. You're saying, you know what, Pastor? I'm just tired. I'm tired. I'm done. I'm spent. God, I know you're there. Even in the midst of your weakness, to say, God, I trust you. I believe you. 
when we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel our grasp is slipping, even the ability to lose hope is fading away, God is with us. His Spirit leads us into God's Word and reminds us of all God has done and all God that has promised to do. I like these verses of Scripture in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That is for you and for me. God says he has plans for us. He has plans for you. In Isaiah 43, in verse 1 and 2, it says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You see, God doesn't give up on us. God hasn't stopped taking care of us. Even in our loneliest and darkest moments, Christ has come. Our God is with us every step of the way. The last thing is that hope inspires us to carry on. Hope inspires us to carry on. Paul, so Paul described it like this in Romans 5, verses 2 and 5. We boast in the hope of glory, of the glory of God. Oh, yeah. Not only so, but we also glorify, but also glory in our sufferings. Ooh, do we? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The hope of God's Spirit does not put us to shame. It will not let us down. It will not disappoint us. Instead, it gives us new and growing strength to see beyond to see beyond. When we receive the promise of God's word, we find new strength. When we accept the power of hope granted to us in God's spirit, we find new inspiration. Hope inspires us. Hope emboldens us. Hope builds upon hope. It keeps us going no matter what. There's that old hymn that we used to sing. My hope is built on nothing less. I love that old song. On Christ a solid rock I stand. All other ground is, is shifting sand. What is your hope built on today? What is your hope built on today? What is your next step of hope today? What can you say, you know what, I'm going to step into this hope. I'm going to believe, God, you're going to take care of. God, I believe that you're still on the throne. God, I believe that you're the provider, the supplier. What do you need to step into today and say, God, I trust you? Hey, God, I trust you. I have not given up on you. Why? Because you've not given up on me.
So many times we want to see what happens tomorrow. We want to know the future. We want to skip to the end of the story. You know what, your lives and, and my life doesn't work like that. It's not a privilege we've been granted. We do not know what tomorrow holds. We only know who holds tomorrow. In Christ, we've been given true life that transcends the pain and the brokenness of our present world. My hope is this, is that you'd focus on the Christ of hope. Allow the situations and circumstances that are going on around us and say, you know what? Those are just there. But in the middle of this, in the center of this, Christ is my strength. He is my hope. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for your care. Your concern for us. That even in the middle of this pandemic, even in the middle of a trying season and a difficult time, Father, you have not forgiven. You have not forgotten us. You have forgiven our sins. You have drawn us near. And God, you have given us hope. Hope that things will change. Because one day we look forward to a glory with you in heaven. They may not change on this earth, but that doesn't change our eternal standing with you. Because our hope isn't in the things that pass away. Our hope is in the one that never changes. Our hope is in the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our hope is in the one whose name is Emmanuel, God with us. Father, we trust in you. Our hope is in you. Give us hope, Lord, not just for this season, but every single day. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. May God bless you and go with you. If you joined us this morning via live stream, may God have his hands upon you as well and strengthen your life. God bless you.